listening to the Couples Guide podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Talia. We're both licensed marriage and family therapists. And today, like every day, (laughs) we're debunking myths and delivering truth about dating, relationships, and everything in between. Trust us. It's awesome. Episode 81. 81? 81, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've been doing this for what, three years now? Yeah. Thank you all you listeners who've been with us from the beginning. I wonder how many of you have like actually stuck with us from the beginning. So, but a big shout out for 81. Yes. We are. very ironic. I know. Because we're talking about. I was trying to bridge that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gone. <It's-> People <laughs> sticking with yes. our our relationship. Yes. Yes. Podcasters, listener. Yeah. So our question today is from my Instagram Q and A, and the person who messaged in is a girl, and she asked, "How do you know if the person, like, how do you know if they're the one? The one. The, the one." one. Dun, dun, dun. Life forever human partner, yes. the one. So episode 81 is, <laughs> how do you know if they are the one? Wonderful question. Wonderful question. Um, how many one puns do you think we can get into this episode? I will get zero in and you will get 101 in, Probably. I'm sure. Oh, I got one, sort of. <laughs> I don't know if that's a pun, but <laughs> your brain will definitely get more of those. Be true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why don't you kick us off, Talia? Because um, you, you shared before we started recording, you've got a couple of cool notes. I definitely have some ideas about this. How do you know if they are the one? Um, mm-hmm. But where, where would you answer this listener question? So I am going to, as I typically do with my clients, like, that's not what the answer I wanted. I'm like, well, let's see what you're going to get. I <laughs> don't think there is only one one. Is that yeah? Yes. So funny. Um, okay, we have to tell, we have to say this yeah. to the listeners. So yeah. right before we started recording, I told Tali, I was like, oh, you take this because I have kind of a different take on this that I, that I I'm curious, like I I'll, I'm curious what you think about it, but I'll just say it and we'll genuinely talk about it during the episode. And the first thing you lead with is exactly that. Yeah, basically blowing up the premise that there is the one. But I'll yeah. talk about my parts in a second, of course. Yeah. But um, um, I love it. Your brain thinks this <laughs> I'm way. I'm going to say yeah. wavelength. Uh, yeah. I, I have multiple notes. We can like dive into it. But yeah. what I wrote in prep for this, because I was going to answer it on Instagram. I'm like, no, this needs like a whole episode because it's yeah. a very you know nuanced topic. I wrote, and I've written this when I've given like maid of honor speeches at weddings too and in vows. Um, I think you meet multiple versions of yourself and whoever your partner is in your lifetime. And if you can grow together, you're able to fall in love again and again. That also supports the premise that even if it is one person that you're with long-term, you're, there's the one in multiple different versions of who they are, right? Are they the one when you become parents together? Are they the one when you go through hardship or are they it's more, it's far more nuanced than I think just, oh, it's the one. And that notion I believe comes from mostly older scripts in society, different movies or media that we've consumed to get to this point. It's, it was easier back in the day. And especially in like a Westernized society to have the one you met when you were in high school, they lavalierd you, they put the pin on the Letterman jacket and you were dating and very 1950s, you know, of them. And that was it. And you dated and 
there was really no other person. It's not that infidelity didn't exist or that divorce didn't exist, but it definitely wasn't as common for a multitude of social reasons or romantic and, you know, actual feelings reasons. Yeah. But it was different. Finding the one back then also was largely different because your lifespan was much different and there was social pressure and nobody likes to be the outcast really. So why would you want to be the social pariah who isn't married or didn't find the one? And the world was smaller. I mean, as in like we were globalized, we didn't have dating apps where you can literally talk to any single person in your town and towns were also smaller. Yeah, exactly. So it it really was like choices were much more limited. And you made it, I think there's also a different work ethic and relationship ethic that existed back then still does in some threads today you made it work Mm -hmm. there was not as many even if you had imagined there were other opportunities for other people if you were not happy in a relationship the sheer process of like and then I got to do this and I got to do the social stigma then I have to date again and then a lot of that times that stops people from breaking up or divorce because they're just like yeah I don't want to put in all that effort like I'd rather I'd rather stay and make this work and figure out how to work through this because clearly at one point I chose this person versus oh let me just go find another one to date that I always tell I joke and my brother hates when I joke about this when we talk about dating but he's and I'm like well settling is always an option he's like that's not helpful I'm like but it's true. <laughs> Whether or not it's helpful, it is an accurate statement. You could find anyone. Uh-huh. It, you have to be more specific on who the one is. And I think that's what this person is asking. And like, it's how do you know they're the one? That's what I'm going to like focus on today. But giving back context, giving context back behind this concept of the one, it's wonderful, wonderful if you can find a person and have that. But realistically speaking, with how different the financial landscape is for fi- female financial independence, workplace, people are having children later, people are getting married later or not at all, the world looks so remarkably different. It doesn't mean those still threads of those relationship and work ethic can't be the same of like, we're going to stick this out. I didn't get married to get divorced. I want to be in this with you or figure out if this is the person for me. And I'm going to give it a good amount of time to decide that unless there's obvious, which we've talked about ad nauseum, red flags or deal breakers that come up in the meantime, where you're like, fundamentally, I don't want you to be the one barring that you're going to meet multiple different versions of the person you're with in your, in their lifetime. You have to put yourself to task to fall in love again and again and relearn each other at those stages. So you can have five ones in one person, or you don't marry or commit to those, let's say four or five different people you date. And at each chapter of your life, they are the one for you at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it's uh, this message that we're aligned on is countering that cultural fantasy of a singular soulmate. And Correct. that's, it, it's more about, no, there's a lot of people you can connect deeply you can have multiple soulmates, shall we say. I know for some people that language is charged. Well, if that's charged for you, that's what I'm asking you to evaluate and go, right. wait a second. Is this narrative that you find that one human on the earth that's just for you and no one else, is that really useful um, as a starting point? And I'm saying, and I think part of what you're saying that we align on is like, no, that's not super useful. And the reason why I say that is yes, I, I want people to be evaluating, is this a high quality person? Is this the right relationship for me? Which was um, our episode, we looked back on episode 43 was the right relationship. There's factors. We might kind of brush on some of that 
Yeah. But is this person like the type of person I can commit to and spend a lot of my life with? Mm-hmm. But then instead of it being more of like a fate or you couldn't help it, I think the dynamic of choosing someone to commit to is much more important than happenstance. Oh, we fit. Mm-hmm. And that choice I talk about all the time, the willingness to put effort into relationship, the willingness to make commitment, it, it has to be done over and over again. I think that relates to your idea of you will be maybe with the, in the same relationship, finding the one five different times who you are at different stages as you grow together and go, oh, there's that. Because as you and your partner, if you've committed to them, are both being human, which means you're growing and changing, everyone does it then there is going to be these moments each time of going, but you're the one I've chosen and I'm going to continue to reestablish that commitment. That's mm-hmm. why relationships take work. Um, I just want to share, like, I, I don't think this, at least for me, maybe you got this at some point in some of your um, research or learning or something. This wasn't ever trained in me that this is what the case is. This comes from my professional experience but it doesn't necessarily say that the case therapists are taught that this is the way it goes. I have to own like some of this is part of my understanding, but it came from my professional experience of, I came from culture saying, I want to find the one, like that was me, Ryan wanting to find my one and only forever human. And then as I became a therapist and specialized in couples, realized, wait a second, it isn't as, you know, fantastical and black and white as we found the one and everything's done. It's no, people in these long committed relationships, it's they chose at a time that this is the person they wanted to commit to and they reestablish that commitment over time. And in fact, we yeah. even talked about that before about commitment in a relationship, how to do that. So, so whether I'm on you, the same page. Yeah. Whether you meet five actually different people over yeah. your lifetime or you meet one person and you transform each of you into five different versions, yeah. you still have to follow through on the agreements. And I do think analytically people circumvent having to get to the point of that long-term 30 to 35 plus years to be married is a long time. Mm-hmm. You are going to bury parents together. God forbid children together. You're going to have children. You're going to lose houses. You're going to have job. There's joys and there's losses and not every relationship can withstand those experiences sometimes again, because it's about commitment in general. And so we pull out before we get to the point of making that commitment. And sometimes we go through such hardship and we aren't well equipped, or we have a partner who this goes back to, is it the right relationship? The one of the points we brought up is, are they willing to put in the work? If times get hard, can you push through those moments where it may be your undoing and instead look at them and go, okay, you're, you're the one I want to be with. How can we make this work versus I think I could find a different one. Well, and I think that's where shifting the narrative from destiny and fantasy of finding the one and know that they're the one is important. It turns into the narrative of choosing like, no, this is someone I want to do this with because in those hardships, if it's, if you're coming from a place of, well, it's out of my control, it was just destiny it's going to really open the possibilities for those thoughts of, do I want to do this? Or maybe I can evaluate a different choice. You're, you're going to be forced to make decisions, but if you don't think you have, a, you know, this type of control for making it the one, then you're going to feel like, oh no, things are bad. I'm concluding now they're not the one because I have a different thing somewhere else. 
you know, there's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy or some kind of a logical fallacy going down that narrative of like destiny and fantasy versus if you come into it with what we as relationship experts know is that it takes growing, it takes attunement, it takes a readjust, um, a re, um, uh, a building of yeah. commitment. Renewal, yeah. And it, a renewal of willingness, right? Yeah. Like all of those things are those factors. If you go with that narrative, then you're more likely to actually experience what it's like to have the one, but not because it was bestowed on anyone. It's because you came in with traits and values that allowed that to be successful. And if you're doing what we recommend all the time and communicate with your partner, you have a partner who is also on that narrative, is also with that understanding and is also going into this relationship with similar values and mindsets. So, yes. So, yeah. I, but ultimately you get to decide if you see yourself spending the rest of your life with someone. And this is where I make a very important distinction. The later that you start with the one, the less lifespan typically that you have. Uh-huh. So there's less risk that you're going to have to go through this awkward, like I met them at 15 to 18. You don't know who the F you are then. I don't care if you think you do, you don't. And every year you get older, you can look back and go, wow, I really didn't know myself as well as I thought I did. If you're growing like in a good direction, yeah. the later you start, the less lifespan that you have, the, the higher the probability that you know yourself more, the more brain development you have, the more life experience you have, ideally the more dating or relating experience to know what you don't want and what you do want or prefer, the higher the likelihood the relationship will survive, mainly because you've done a lot of your inner work and digging. So let's say by 30 to 35, you meet the one or the person you're like, okay, I I could see building a life with you. You have a pretty established baseline to grow from versus, and there's nothing wrong with meeting somebody at 18 or 20 you are a different person at 18 or 20 than you are at 30 to 35. You have different core values. You have different goals and dreams in life. You have different developmental milestones. You have different things going on in the ethers, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your parents may be with you at 18 to 20. They may have passed on by 30 to 35. Like life looks different the older that you get, ideally. And so- And, the, and your partner saying, will. Yeah. So yeah. Do you expect that will. for you and expect that with whoever yeah. your partner is, that they're going to look different. Not expect the day you commit the version of you to remain the same your whole life. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a big pitfall that people expect. Like, well, it wasn't like this in the beginning. And I'm like, you're 45 now. You're not, yeah. okay. Yeah. You're not going out and getting drunk at Mutt Lynch's. And that's the biggest joy that you have of the week. Like, <laughs> well, now you have a mortgage, you have student loan, like life is different 25 years later. So let's yes. re- redo this this view of what do you need from the one now at this phase of your life is another part. And then I have a few other notes, but I want to hear from you what you think. Well, I actually, on some of this, like still like kind of narrative shift thing, um, one way that helped me get sort of comfortable with the idea that you make a commitment to someone, it's not so you just like find that, you know, uh, God-given destiny one is something before I became a therapist was just talking to couples who had been married, like, you know, grandparents and other people I knew had been, who actually hadn't gone divorced. And I uh, noticed that a common thing is they would talk about how they could go back and say, overall, in the course of our 40 years together, it was a wonderful marriage. 
And there were like each year they could label that year was really hard. And those three years were really hard. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it bears, you know, this is a foundational thing for me of how I view long-term relationships because of this, that was only reinforced as I became an expert in relationships. It's that going into these long-term commitments, a lifetime, the one relationship, know that it's to be expected. There's going to be some really hard years, but if you're together for 40 years and 10 of those years are hard, I don't know what the actual percentage rate you would want to have is, that's still 75% of an amazing life with 10, you know, 25% being difficult. But that's 25% is that investment in the payoff and of an amazing, meaningful relationship and life well spent. So I just say it that way as another way that I look at this of, because I think part of the fantasy of the one is you find the one and then we end our narrative with like, it's perfect. And that's just not reality, which I get people know. Yeah. Yeah. So instead it's, no, it's, this is someone that right now, I understand me and them with these values. We want to do this together. We're going to change and we're going to work through that. It's going to be hard in those moments when we're changing or when we have teenagers, that's always a hard moment for couples. Like when we uh, have no those, yeah. but this is someone that I want to choose to be with. Yes, it could be you, or it can maybe meet another soulmate and choose to do it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's, and- I have now found someone of value who is amazing who is so especially uh, unique to me, now it's the act of choosing that they're the one that I want to do. So I, yeah. that's just the other bit I want to say on that whole narrative piece. Yeah. So I wrote, I, I think those are good points too, because mm-hmm. the, you're going to have conflict and disagreements no matter who you partner with. That's just the nature mm-hmm. of two human, I like to say like two human beings building a life together. Mm-hmm you're not going to marry a clone and hopefully because it's illegal and gross you're not going to marry somebody who grew up in your childhood home with you (laughs) like they they don't when they weren't raised by the same people ideally and if they were like i'm not saying to go for incest obviously but i'm saying even if you were raised we see this with siblings they have remarkably different accounts of what their upbringing was like so even that even if you married like a childhood friend let's say who you're very familiar with and you, they went to the same school, same family type, whatever, you're still going to have nuanced differences mm-hmm. in that type of person and relationship. And so, so there's something to be said for finding a person who is similar, raised similarly to you and has similar life experiences in the positive, healthy camp and direction, overlapping core values, as we've talked about before. Time, yeah. And the other two, I have like a list of five bullet points of like, this is how I knew mm-hmm. um, and how other people know um from what i've obviously like personally professionally researched but these reasons are why i say meeting later is better and they are variable because these two things are these two are variable that you have similar values Mm -hmm. those may change over time and life experience and aging and they meet your emotional needs your emotional needs will look different the older you get the different Mm -hmm. life experiences and the more or less roles that you have Mm-hmm. So if I'm a parent and I'm dating versus I'm a single person and I'm dating, that's going to be different. I have different needs. So mm-hmm. these, those two are the variable ones that they exist, but they fluctuate and look different over time yeah, at true. a certain later age, they do solidify pretty solidly, mm-hmm. not to be redundant. That's also why I'm a big proponent of not pressuring yourself to find the one or a one so young mm-hmm. Your twenties, like 20 to 30 is a wonderful time to explore your life with or without a partner if you do have a partner, watch how much you grow. Mm-hmm. 
and see if you're the same person. If you can make it through that and you're still solid, go for it. Like, go for it. So I have a few things that I will add that helped. Like when I did my own checklist, like if you can get past that 18 to 24 months, like we've talked about and go Mm -hmm. from more of the limerence to like a companionate love. And you're looking at that person like, oh, this is, oh, this is who you are. (laughs) okay all right here we are let's do this right like if you can look at them and be like I still pick you and I choose you knowing all that I know about you that's a huge green flag that you have found they the one or a one that you would be with you catch yourself not projecting onto them or not fighting with them and as much and if you are having a fight or a conflict you realize that the goal of you having a conflict is connecting subversively and it's you trying to get your emotional needs met and you're frustrated because they're not being met versus you seeing your partner as the problem an asshole whatever label you want to give it so those are like the first two notes is that you can get past that clinically significant hormonal shift and change and landscape change in the relationship and still like each other and love each other on the other side as well as while you're getting to that point if you are projecting, which we all do, if you are projecting onto them, you catch yourself and you go, whoa, I just saw you as my dad for a second. That's weird. Or I thought of you as my ex-boyfriend. That's weird. Like, let's try this again. And if you are noticing that you're having a conflict, how quickly can you look at them and go, I don't want to do this with you. I want to get to a point of closeness. Like how can we not fight and be mean and use name calling or any of the other ineffective communications how can we get to a common ground and make that the goal of if you have conflict, because you will, you're two people building one life. Mm-hmm. So those are my first two. What do you think? To me, coming into like this kind of bullet point, it goes to, first of all, do I trust this person? Okay, duh. What does that mean? That's why I had to do the whole narrative of what I mean by right. like against the, the point of the one, but actually to making commitment and choices to it. Right. It's, oh, do I trust that this is a person that will be a partner with me in this? Right. And right. can I, and, and then not just do I trust that, but can I talk about my trust? Can I talk about my trust and my fears? And can they be there with me? And I think that actually relates to some of what you're talking about of these initial points yeah. of, of conflict, of emotional needs, of values. All of that is, do I trust that in this moment I can be with this person, express all of this and have that? Because if that feels strong enough, that there's at least that foundation, it's why we talk about trust as one of the pillars of relationship, that can go, cool, then I can also trust that this is someone I can invest in and they'll invest in me and move forward. So it's always like a big, a big thing for me. If I'm thinking though, again, to another bullet point of how do I know if they are the one or a one that's in this choice of commitment and stuff, I start also just thinking about in the moment chemistry. And I don't mean sexual chemistry. I'm with you on the whole, as we always talk about, we talked about chemistry specifically before. Um, I'm talking about that companionship chemistry. I think there is a thing that couples who click really well can kind of just sit and spend a lot of time together more than they can with other relationships. Now everyone's yeah. different. I don't want to give it like you can spend in a whole week together and not get to see each other because some people at works, other yeah. people <laughs> like me, I'm an introvert. It's like, no, for me, a long time is an afternoon. Yeah. But yeah. the point is you can kind of get a sense of our chemistry is such where for whatever reason, 
post the sexual chemistry, though that's fun and exciting. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but post that, you can still just feel very good spending like time together, whether it's silent time, that kind of beautiful intimacy of like, you're in a car driving, you don't have to say anything or you're hanging out. You're like, Hey, let's, uh, let's go on date night. And then you go over and you're together. Um, you get together and then you realize like, wait, it's been three hours. We haven't left. We've just been sitting here talking. Mm -hmm. Just examples. I mean, every relationship's different. I'm not saying those have to happen. But my point is there's this chemistry piece of, wow, something has clicked when we've gone to that. And that's not necessarily, it's, it's special, but back to the narrative thing, it's not unique. It doesn't mean that's the only person you could have that with, but the yeah. point is like, wow, this is cool. This is someone where we have a bonding of our, our connection, our soul or whatever. That's really cool to care. Like, I see that being someone to commit to. And if throughout a 20, 40 year marriage, those things will change. You won't be able to do that always, but it gives you that template of, remember when we could just sit and always spend time together? Let's get back to it. Let's talk about what our needs are that aren't there and let's work together to get there. So those are like my first two that I think are really big on knowing, um, evaluating like, hey, is this a commitment to someone I want to make that commitment to being the one? Yes. And then my next few before we call a pause I think for the combo for (laughs) today that uh sacrifice and compromise feel similar because it's towards a greater union and it doesn't mean I'm the only one ever compromising or sacrificing for the other person you look at that willingly and go yeah no problem like I don't mind shifting this because of this like you have a different goal in mind of a long-term positive union that you don't mind the little, we're not talking all the time, but like little things of like, yeah, I don't mind moving this for this. If it helps you out to help us out, I'm okay with that. I love that. And that goes into this felt sense of teamwork and collaboration. Like you said, the higher good. And that means if you're doing that, where sacrifice and and, um, compromise feel the same, it's you trust that your partner is an actual partner with you, that there is that teamwork. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have your, uh, when you're with the person who like is the one, there is a lot more acceptance of yours. They inspire you to accept yourself. You already accept yourself. They accept themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more of acceptance and authentic self able to come out in the relationship. You're a cheerleader and an advocate for your partner and you rooting for them to do well, not rooting for them to fail or seeing the worst in them. And when we're really deeply connected to our partner, our pronouns change. And what I mean by that is we're a lot more likely to use we and us mm-hmm. rather than I, me, mine. There's mm-hmm. a union now, there's a build, there's, well, what could we do? At, what can I do and what can you do to get to us mm-hmm. essentially? And that's, it's, it's almost inevitable at a certain point that you're going to do that. It's the tone in which if it's resentful or not, like, well, we had to go do this versus yeah, like, yeah. we go get to do that. But like you think of things more in a union sense And my last note that I have, which is like more of my own stuff Uh in a positive way that once you really are moving into secure attachment, could you live without this person? Sure. Like you should be able to healthily do it. It doesn't mean it's not going to be without pain or sorrow, et cetera. You could technically live without them, but if you did, it would feel like a part of you is missing and you'd be seeking it for almost the rest of your life as well as the thought of building a family and a life with that person isn't as scary or unappealing as it may have been in the past. Like you can look at them and be like, I was kind of on the fence about kids, but I didn't realize it's because sometimes I didn't 
have confidence in the person I was wanting to raise the kid with. And now that I've met you and seen your family and the way you do things, and I can't, I can't wait to have that with you, or I can't wait to build a life with you because we are so similar. And I think we'd be really great teammates in that chapter of life. So that's, that's what I would add that at least that's how I knew that my person was the one. Yeah. On a sort of a play off of that, it's either like an asterisk or just an additional bullet point is um, really being able to visualize the future with this person and openly discuss as a team the future that you see. And again, feeling that partnership that you can create that because yeah. without this piece that you're saying or this future piece that I'm saying, all these other things are really cool, but you might find, hey, this is someone, all these things are there. And we don't really have the same direction we want for our futures. I do want to say, though, I, I hope that that is in nuanced form. People are taking that. I don't think it's super useful to say we have to have the like super specific, rigid structure no, 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 goals. No, definitely not. Because you don't know what the future is going to be. Part of it is balancing. We yeah. have a future of general goal. Yeah. And do I have the future vision that no matter what we can't predict, this is a person I see a future with. So if I get in a car accident and I lose, um, uh, let's say, um, a, a, an appendage or something, right? Like something major, big changes life. We didn't plan that in our future, but is that someone that I could see that future with? And that's kind of like that internal space to check mm -hmm. with yourself. If you know that this is someone you'd want to choose mm -hmm. to be with. So you're and saying- Oh, and just also can talk about it. to test the relationship. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, I had to. Yes. You know I had to. Definitely, definitely get in a car accident just to see if they are the one. Or fake it. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. Just you cut your own arm yeah. off. 127 hours yourself. See if yes. they still love you. That's what yes. I hear. That, yeah, no, it's, it's, an important, it's an important thing to be able to look at your person. And this is why dating. Dating for a long period of time is very helpful. Not too long, but long enough to have seen them through at least every season and every holiday is what I was told when I was a teenager. Like get through every holiday with them, really see who they are. You can see how their family interacts. You can see how they are at different seasons of life. Chances are some loss or joy is going to happen in that amount of time that you can gauge their personality. Are they go with the flow? How are they under stress and pressure? We saw a lot of relationships, unfortunately, Fortunately for some that it needed to happen, unfortunately for others that it was beyond their control or they didn't have the resources to get the help for it if it could have survived, relationships decompensated over COVID because it was such a large scale out of control feeling that shook people to their core. It tested a lot uh -huh. of people and a lot of relationships. And that we, aside from a global pandemic, we get these tests early and often in the relationship, but we're so enthused with the person. Sometimes we're blind to it. Like we do get data in the beginning that we ignore or rewrite to better serve our narrative that we hope the person to be. And twofold into that, the second fold is we have these opportunities for this person to show us who they are and show their character under those times. Those pivotal points are what you can choose to look at the person and go, yeah, they are the one. Do they handle me when I freak out and I'm stressed at work? Do they snap at me when I'm hangry? Do they know at this point to just have dinner on the table, which is where I'm at with my guy? Like <laughs> there's things that I know he is the one and there's no doubt in my mind of that because he cares for me in ways that I care for myself that I was able to ask for help with. And he was 
100% on board and was like, yeah, anything else you need. Like that's the level of willingness and onboardness that I need in a marriage or the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah. And it, it kind of like what I'm, I'm hearing, or I guess the way I, I summarize that is all these factors sort of come into play at those most difficult moments. So yes. instead of evaluating your relationship on the perfect date night, no, evaluate yeah. it when things are hard and are all of these pieces will play in there. Yeah. Can yeah, you be together? Yeah. You know, I said, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of, of memes out there that are about that, that are about, yeah. hey, check in on your relationship in the difficult moments, not in the fantastical moments. Yes, don't and gauge, these don't are the factors to look at. The highs. You have yeah. to really do a full analysis. And I've said this before in like the most recent wedding I was at, if you can look and everybody was crying and I was like, this was not my intention. I was just really like, I got on my soapbox about marriage and like how passionate yeah. I am about it. Yeah. And I was like, if you can look across from the person that you're standing in front of and you have all of your friends and family there to celebrate and you can, and I'm going to get choked up just even say, if you can look across from them and you are only going to get the poverty, you're only going to get the sickness, you're only going to get this hardship and you can still feel like you won. Uh-huh. that's the person. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you get all, you're, you're going to get joy. You're going to get abundance in waves, but life is real. And you're going to get a lot, especially in the beginning. If you haven't worked out a lot, you're going to get a lot more shit than you are joy for the most part. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Marriage is one of the most important decisions you can ever choose to make, especially if you're going to have kids. If you can look across from them and you're like, you know what, even if I only get the shitty end of the vows, this is the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. That's how I think. But that's my view of that. Not even as a therapist, just as a human being. Yeah. That's how I choose. Well, it's beautiful. And I think you're describing this thing that can happen when you find someone like this, which is it's no longer evaluation of what do I get from them? What are these things that I can take or have? It's about not even thinking about yourself anymore. It's that person just means so much to me. Even if it's just the shit I want the shitty things to be with yeah. them. And it's that other piece you're saying, it's like, I'm not thinking about me anymore. I'm thinking about us. So there is this internal thing that can happen. That's part of that gauge of going, to, shifting from, well, I'm not just looking for someone to go on a fun date with and have some great sex with or whatever. It's no, 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 no. I care about them and everything about them. And it's about us now. So there, there is that, that tune. So I think that's really cool what you're saying. It's very lovely. Yeah. So. I'm going to go back. <laughs> let's go cry let's do that um let's go feel the feels as we need to um and i hope that's useful even though i wonder if the the question was answered in the way the person had had hoped to hear it but it's a little bit of a different roundabout way and i hope that a lot of people get that and go oh yeah, yeah. let's be skeptical about this narrative of we find quote unquote the one and that's it. And there's only that one person and say, no, there's, there's a lot more to this because this is how you develop a deep, meaningful, long-term relationship. And that's the best part about the podcast is we choose for you. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you get specifics or we have something to talk about, we choose how we answer it. And ask me specifically because I'm assuming this person, you like how I answer questions. Otherwise you Googled it. You wouldn't have gone to a specific person. So that said, just trust in it. And if you have your doubts, do your own individual therapy. As we always say, go to couples counseling, read some books, do your own research. 
Yeah. And, and really be introspective and ask yourself. It's really not about like, is this person the one? It's like, how effective do I think we would be at building a life together, given yeah. joys and hardships? Ask yourself that question and that will be a lot easier. Yeah, love it. All righty, we'll call that an episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any questions that you do want us to answer on the podcast, just like we did today, shoot us an email, Ryan and Talia at thecouplesguidepodcast.com. Yes, please like, rate, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Follow me on Instagram. I do weekly Q&As at Talia Bombola. If I like your question enough to make it into an episode, that's where we get some of these. And I like all of the questions. Some of them are just easier to answer in shorter form. So the long form ones I save for us to discuss. Yep. Thanks so much, everyone. Take good care.